Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast number 112. I'm your host, Brian. Joining me this week, Terry. Hey, everybody. I just want to give a quick shout out to my buddy, Chris, who had a bike wreck this weekend. So sorry, man. I'll see you soon. And Ian. I feel fabulous. And of course, Mac. All hail Megatron. And of course, we're joined by the dumbass himself. Oh, Princess Self-Respectra, whatever are we going to do? <laughs> How is everybody doing this week? Great. <clears throat> so, I mean, we had a, a lovely podcast last time. Uh, was everybody, f- w- like, completely depressed after we were done? It took me a few days to kind of come <laughs> out of that funk. <laughs> Only, I know, it was it was pretty heavy, right? I mean, that that is heavier than we normally get. I was, At the end of that, I was like, okay. All right. Wow. I think I missed the last part of it then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was more of the same. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, I think it was good. I think we covered good content, but holy mackerel at the end of that, it's like, wow, is there an answer? Yeah. <laughs> so this one's going to be lighter, I hope. Yeah. Well, speaking of Kronda, since, you know, she was our guest last time, Kronda and her wife, Jamie, invited me and my family to march with them in the Denver Gay Pride Parade as straight allies. My wife couldn't make it. Me and my boys did join her, and that was actually a fun experience. Um, the, the culture is so interesting because everyone thinks the Gay Pride Parade is all one way. You know, they picture all the, the leather and kinky outfits and stuff, which were there, but it was also just the opposite. There were families, you know, a lot, a lot of straight people were marched in the parade as well, like I did. And it was it was a fun experience. Wait, wait, are you promoting the fallacy that they're a diverse group of people? Yeah, I guess <laughs> I am. <laughs> and walking around, I mean, there were um, probably a good dozen religious, you know, churches set up um, within the festival itself, promoting, you know, being tolerant and stuff. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's although great. The, my my favorite one was there was one right next to an SMM booth. I Perfect. I love that. Perfect you know, self-flagellation I, and all that. Yeah, I'm always worried though that that their position is uh, hate the sin, love the sinner. Uh, I didn't see any okay. straight out promoting of that. You don't. You know, it is hard to tell. You know, I didn't stop and talk to them, but. The, uh, the church booth that was set up next to the S&M booth, were they penitentes? <laughs> I didn't pay too much attention. I just noticed they were in church and the S&M like that is the perfect setup. And were they wearing chaps? And note that all there, chaps are actually assless. You don't have to add assless chaps. They're, they're already assless. There were some. The, the outfits were uh, going off the S&M. There was a guy in S&M gear with a bear mask on leading around another guy in S&M gear with a dog mask on. Nice. That would make me very uncomfortable. <laughs> it, it, I, and by I, the way, uh, I don't care if you don't have to add the word assless. I'm going to continue to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Not that they should lead each other around and bear masks or whatever. Just I would just be shocked by that. That actually sounds like two different two different things. That sounds like S and M and maskers. So yeah, the, the, the costumes were pretty crazy. Uh, what I did love is I call them the balloon peacocks. They basically um, attached a bunch of thin balloons to the back, of various colors, and walking around with like a rainbow peacock tail to them all. There's a lot of people with that. A lot of normal, average people. I mean, tons of them. Right. So um, things that stuck out. Well, my boy, needless to say, caught on to the um, large amount of women in scantily, you know, scantily clad women that were everywhere. He, he, my fourteen-year-old definitely mentioned that to me. Oh yeah. Um. Well, wait. wait, wait, wait one thing though, I guess, are they any more outrageous than the stuff at the con? I mean, really? No, really? That's the thing. I, I, I think that's one reason why it really doesn't hit me that hard. Is I've, I've been enough conventions. You, know, me, and Brian were just at Denver Comic Con last weekend. And some of the costumes there were just as outrageous as what you're going to see at the Gay Pride Parade. And so, you know, 
I'm used to it. I've seen this stuff more than enough times. It doesn't bother me. It's like, you know, if that's what they want, go for it. Right, because, I mean, there were some there were some costumes there that were, I mean, like barely covering yeah. At the at the con. So I so I, I don't see how they could really be that much more outrageous. Sure. Yeah, you yeah. did have you know, the, 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 the kind of costumes um like that uh, uh don't really bother me so much either, but you know it, it is kind of fodder for other people. Yeah, absolutely. You did have the women who were wearing nothing but um tape over their nipples with you know stuff like this is not consent written on them. Still kind of like Max artwork for the last podcast. <laughs> um, there was uh, in the parade itself. Um, those of you that know Colfax, dumbass probably has no idea what I'm talking about. But you know the church on Colfax right before you get to the Capitol. There Trinity? was a guy out front of that. Repent sinners, repent sinners. Yeah. Is that the Trinity Church? Um, I don't. Is that about seventeenth or eighteenth and Broadway? Years back. Yeah, I don't know. But, um, you know, it, I would if I were him if, and I was hanging around in front of a church that got struck by lightning, you know, let he use without sin. I'm just saying. <laughs> but, of course, standing right next to him was a guy with a sign that said, this guy is only here to see the half-naked women. That's pretty funny. Yeah, that is funny. But, oh, no, it was. Um, now, I, see, now I'm, I'm going to think that that guy with the sign saying he's only here to see the half-naked women was probably dressed as dead <laughs> thanks to the San Diego comic. That would have been perfect, but no, regretfully he wasn't. But all in all, I, I'm glad I, I did it. I'm glad my boys did it. And I got to talk to my boys a bit about why there's a significance to these events. Because they, they actually were shocked when I told them that gay people couldn't marry. That it was a, a, in Colorado, we have a thing called civil the civil unions that are slightly different than marriage. And they were like, really? Well, actually, that's, you... not, that's not true, though. Gay people can marry. They just have to marry somebody of the opposite sex. <laughs> that's right. They can marry just like every other straight person. Is is there a difference between marriage and civil union? What is, is there technical I forget legal the technical difference? Stuff. I think there is a little bit of technical stuff, but it's most it is mostly just a um, title. So they're not exactly equal then. You know, no. if if they if they have all of the same rights and everything, I don't care what you call it. Just give it to them. So yeah. it's separate but equal. If it is actually separate but equal, the problem with most separate but equal is it's not really equal at all. Yeah. You know, I would – and we've had this discussion before, and <clears throat> I still think we should push for full marriage equality. But, yeah. man, I, I still think we got to take civil unions as a stepping stone. Oh, yeah. I agree. So, Brian, why did you put that – or Terry, why did you put that link up? Because <laughs> we were talking about costumes and barely covering. Yeah, I, I cannot unsee that. <laughs> Wait. I missed it. Is it in the oh, chat? Hold on, let me get out of the chat. Yeah, we gotta get, chat. now we all gotta get in the chat. You will never be able to unsee this guy's insane bathing suit. And they're right, I can't unsee <laughs> Oh! <laughs> nice! That's hilarious! Oh. You know, what the hell kind of a wax did he have to have? Well, that, well not a full one, right? Because he's got kind of a Hitler going on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, but looking at that, it kind of looks like he's just wearing his, his Speedos on one side. Yeah. Yes, I know. It's yeah. The costume stuff at the gay pride parade is what made me think of that. What, what's Sorry, it, is it, well, is there a robot behind him in one of those? Well, what's going on there? It's he's from a, he's from the 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 reality show. The only way is Essex. So whatever is going on there, it's it's it's. I believe he's British. So John, oh, that, I will be impressed if you can work that bathing suit into the artwork for this episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going a different direction with the artwork. <laughs> now we got to put the link in the show notes though, because you know we're having a whole conversation about something that nobody else can see. This is great radio, guys. By the way, <laughs> would you like? Can I verbally describe it? Yeah, please. Absolutely. No, you can absolutely do that. Yes. 
So, uh, so there are men in what appear to be speedos. Uh, however, they only go around one hip. So the <laughs> I'm not sure how it actually stays in place, but it it goes around one hip and like through the ass crack and around the front. And so it just it's like a tiny little pouch that might cover just like the barest like you can just barely not see. Well, you can kind of see in one of these close-ups. You can sort of see. Yeah. Here's what I I don't know if I was going to do this where I would put the potato. Carrie, <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit I didn't think you could verbally describe that. Yeah, I but you did good. You could do it Excellent. You did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That will be uh, and that link will definitely be in the show notes. And uh, note before you link it is not safe for work. Yeah. Well, our podcast is not safe for work. <laughs> no, it's like at work. Yeah. I'm going to go on a limb and say the only way is Essex is not safe for work. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I mentioned this before about uh, like the crazy sexualized costumes that they wear that I, I think it kind of uh, does them a disservice uh, in the gay pride parade because I think what you really want to do is show how, you know, you're normal people just like everybody else. Okay, yeah. so you're saying that at the gay pride parade they should hide who they really are. Right. Normal is subjective, isn't it? Eh, yeah. Well, I guess so, but eh, whatever. <laughs> it, it, it seems like they're putting just too much emphasis on that part, on the sexual part of it. You might be. A, you, you think know? it might be shock value as opposed to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I can see and where I can, I can, I can see, see that. your point, but at the same time, I can see them saying, you know, I don't want to hide who I really am. This is who I am. This is what I like. You know, if I want to dress, well, I, I don't, there, there, I are, dress there are like, a lot. There, there are a lot of things that uh, I like in uh, the sexual arena that I don't really go around. You know, I, I don't feel, feel it's a big deal for me to tell people this is the kind of sexual stuff that I like. Yeah, and that's true. That's that's modesty. Yeah, but why not, dumbass? Is it you not wanting to share that, or is there a cultural is there a cultural pressure not to you know, share? I guess, there, I, guess there, I guess there is a cultural pressure. I mean. Um, I suppose uh, people knew about some of the stuff I'm into. I'd probably be mocked for it. Sure, as sure. would we all. <laughs> right, I think we all have the, have have our proclivities that yeah. we'd be mocked for. Which is why I don't show my Legos around. <laughs> hey, I've seen what you've done with Kermit. So. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I did molest Kermit, didn't I? Yes, you did. And <laughs> that was sexual assault too. I think that was clearly sexual assault what I did to Kermit. <laughs> yeah, so technically, technically, you're actually a plushie. <laughs> a plushie, nice. Uh, all right, well, since we, I think that this is a good time to move on to the masturbation moment, brought to you by the Dumbass Media Network. The Amateur Skeptics present Ian's Masturbation Moment, brought to you by the Dumbass Media Empire. The Dumbass Media Empire, bringing you content that touches people while they touch themselves. <laughs> and, 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 and Brian's sponsored by uh, Thai Beanie Babies. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, you're going to get us sued. <laughs> hey, they're grateful for any mention at this point. <laughs> All right. So tell me about sex toys are that it's illegal for me to buy them in alabama yeah and apparently um other this article about a woman who's suing the state in order to be able to she wants to be able to purchase sex toys uh, she has medical reasons for wanting to purchase them she suffers from multiple sclerosis there's this video of her talking about it for me it's you know even if you don't have medical reasons you should still be able to do it but 
Uh, one of the things that surprised me about this, the, it's the Anti-Obscenity Enforcement Act. This is something that you might think to yourself, oh, this was put out in the 30s or the 50s or something, and it's still on the books. People just haven't gotten around to removing it. No, this came out in 1998. So the Dark Ages. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what, was the, what was the logic behind this act going into effect in 1998? Well, what was the impetus behind it? You know, if you read the, the Wikipedia article on this, it was to protect people. You know, it was to protect people, even though they don't know they need protecting. The law's most outspoken backers have been a coalition of conservative Christians led by Dan Ireland of the Alabama Action Program. Uh, Ireland defended the law on the grounds that, quote, laws are made to protect the public, end quote, and, quote, sometimes you have to protect the public against themselves, end quote. The repercussions for this are serious. What The, the initial fine for this is, what, was it $1,000 to 10000 in a year in jail? Wow. Let me see. I, I want. I want to get that exact. Let me look that up. Okay. For giving yourself an orgasm. Well, no, no, that, that, no, that not for the that, orgasm. For yeah. using a sex toy, right? Oh, no, or for selling. To achieve toy. it. For selling yeah, a sex toy. Because the conservatives oh, okay. aren't worried about big government. Here, here make it is. Sure that they're in your bedroom telling you exactly what you can do. So for exactly. for selling these, the first time offense. Ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand dollars in it. And a year in prison, wow. and repeated up to ten years in prison. Wait, I thought years. conservatives were pro-business. Well, but they're anti-sex, so I mean, there's a conflict there. Well, you know, even even if we were we were to accept the fact that that sex toys were bad for you, which I don't, but even if I if even if I was to accept that, uh, I don't accept uh, the logic that the government should protect you from yourself. Yeah, because, no. I mean, by this logic, let's stop selling cigarettes, let's stop selling alcohol. And you can use the exact same logic to defend Well, they, they use the exact so, same logic that you can't buy, buy other kinds of drugs, which I disagree yeah. with as well. Right, so, but here's, so the actual statute says it is, uh, it's unlawful it, to, to sell these if they're primarily for stimulation of human genital organs for anything other than, um, what, pecuniary value? I don't know. Sorry. Um, so, yeah. So basically, so any sex toy that is designed to, to stimulate human organs. So that's, that's a pretty, I mean, that, I mean, and that I, could I be. And I wonder what harm they think this is going to cause. Right. But if you, but if you can, if you take this broad enough, man, that could include the blender. <laughs> My right hand. My right hand. Exactly. Sit on well, the dryer. Carrie's right let's, hand. Let's, let's. Let's keep in our minds and remember that uh, the the hand configuring out can can configuration in Alabama is somewhat different. It's a four fingered hand, right? Because they have no thumbs. Well, you know, in many parts of our troubled world, people are yelling revolution, revolution. In Tennessee, they're yelling evolution. <laughs> we want our thumbs. Well, I'm, I'm just curious if Terry's hands for sale. <laughs> well, it's some weird places there. Well, it depends. Well, I mean, because of prostitution laws, it, it would be illegal for her to sell her hand in oh, those re in in that manner. So that's maybe a double fine. Even the stranger. Uh, <laughs> even the stranger. I mean, you like know, a, like if you lay on it till it falls asleep. Like the left hand. Right. I. I have a definition of pecuniary. Oh, thank you. Or pertaining to money. Oh, okay. Okay. So you so um, you can give you know, them away. I gotta I gotta take issue with the whole thing about the government doesn't have any business protecting people from themselves from themselves though, because a lot of the laws are designed to protect people from themselves and they're as well as protect people from others. Well, to you could the, yeah. uh, to take the standpoint that the government has no business protecting people from themselves is basically the libertarian. No, I, I have no problem with the basics of that, except for the fact that 
you'd have to prove to me there's some harm being done by this. Yes, right. I and I mean, these are the same people that probably would be quite upset if we were to say, okay, let's um, make sale of cigarettes illegal. And yet sale of cigarettes, we can prove cigarettes actually really do harm the people that smoke them. Well, and While, guns can be harmful, can't they? Yeah. yeah well, alcohol, so, alcohol can be very harmful and uh, a, a lot of things can be harmful. Twinkies yeah. can be harmful. I th- th- there are a lot of laws there out there to protect people from themselves, but I, I generally don't agree with them. Yeah. yeah. You're going to restrict the sale of Twinkies? You're going to restrict the sale of uh, restrict the sale of, do- of soda? McDonald's? Yeah. But mm-hmm. That stuff, these people would fight like crazy. No, no, you can't take away our rights to McDonald's and cigarettes and alcohol and firearms because we want those. <laughs> wait, wait, we restricted the sale of, of Twinkies by promoting union laws. You know, by, by, by promoting a strong union, we prevented the sale of Twinkies. No, we did not. We delayed it. Now Walmart sells Twinkies. <laughs> oh, okay. Walmart yeah, we're brought them back. No, everyone has Twinkies now. Yeah, I know. They're, they're completely yep. back on the market. No, yeah, but... Brian wouldn't know that because he doesn't go to Walmart. Oh, that's, that's true. I don't go to Walmart. But they probably sell them at places where I go as well, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Brian, when he sees an asterisk, he looks down to see if there's a footnote. We know why we think this way because apparently porn is bad for the brain, and so that's probably oh. why you know the, the connection. I, I bet well, there's a connection to that. Yes, because so from, according to the headlines, porn may porn may be bad for your brains or it may shrink your brains, <laughs> or not brains, brain, right? Singular, right? <laughs> I because I, I I have one brain theoretically. Um, you know, this, this conflicts with something we were saying before about how it uh, is beneficial to your memory. So it does, right? Well, kind of, right? So we we talked about about the guy who used erotic erotic imagery or or to remember certain things, and that's how he used that to remember stuff. I, right. I don't know, maybe, yeah. I it's it's kind of different now. What 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 the study looked at sixty it it, it took sixty four men. And they took a survey. So it, so this is basically people reporting their own amount of porn that they're watching. So self-reporting is always problematic. Oh, it is self-report. Yeah, exactly. And a, a, a test group of six, what, 64, you said? Yeah, it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty slim there. Um, and they asked some questions like, how many hours on average do you spend watching pornography material during the week? How many hours on average do you spend watching uh, pornography materials during a day of the week. So uh, I guess what the idea was that, oh, okay, I'm sorry, on weekends and on days of the week. So so they differentiated at least between how much porn there were people were watching on the weekends and how much they were watching during the, during weekdays. And the average was somewhere around four hours a day for these men. And they averaged in age... Oh, wait a second, four hours a day? Yes, four hours a day was the average in these in their, in their sample. Whoa. Um, anywhere from zero to, I want to say 18 hours. So that would, seems like a lot in one day. It seems like a lot. Four hours seems a lot in one day. I mean, yeah. who needs more than, I don't know. 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking 
they the previous one of the articles says that it's the part of the brain that is associated with rewards becomes less active and yeah. thereby has less gray matter. So we'll get that to that. And I, I want to cover a little bit more about what the survey was was asking people. Okay. So additional questions um, assess other factors the research thought might influence the results, including uh, sexual sexual use of the internet, sexual addiction, internet addiction, signs of psychiatry addiction. Was that? Uh, I mean that wrong. Anyway, so they look for other other things, but these things are not necessarily real things that they're even looking for here. Sexual addiction is is not necessarily a re real thing. Internet addiction might be, but is that in the DSM? I mean, how many how many of these are classified and are not just some sort of obsessive compulsive disorder? Well, and it sounds like they're trying to get sexual addiction classified in the DSM. I think a lot of people would like to do that. I'm not uh, judging I, how much porn people watch, but four hours a day sounded like logistically too much to pull off every day. So the Wired article says <laughs> the Wired article. Pull off. <laughs> <laughs> the are Wired you article, are you yanking my chain? Yeah. <laughs> the Wired article says uh, four hours a week. Oh, am I am I am I reading that wrong? Possibly. These are my notes might be wrong. I'm sorry. I'm not reading directly from the article. Yeah, if you were watching, if you were watching four hours a day, okay, that makes more sense. In the first so place. it's it's anywhere between four and eighteen hours a week. That sounds more realistic. Okay, that sounds more realistic. You're right. I, that my bad. Sorry. Okay, so but still, I mean, if the average is, is four, so what they're claiming is that that the men who were watching. And, and, and I don't even know how much, how much gray matter they're measuring, but they're saying that, that the more porn you watch, um, the, the less gray matter people had in the brain. And the center of the brain that this was attributed to affected the, um, reward stimulation from looking at, from nude picture, at looking at nude pictures. So, so I guess the idea is the more porn you look at, the more you have to look at to get the same amount of stimulation, right? Okay. And that seems to be a reasonable conclusion. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Right. And so the, in, in the, um, so the, uh, life sciences article, they say it is not surprising or necessarily worrisome that frequency, frequency, frequent porn exposure reduces brain reward response to sexual imagery. Um, a neuroscientist from the University of California at Los Angeles who co-authored a 2013 study in sexual addiction. So, so neuro, a neurologist saying, well, I mean, that's kind of what we would expect to see, and that's really not even worrisome. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes that. a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense to me because um, somebody uh, who um, who hasn't seen a lot of porn before, like, I mean, think back to when you were a kid and just looking up naughty words in a dictionary gave you a little bit of a thrill. Yep. I mean, when, when you're not used to seeing that kind of stuff, I mean, um, back uh, like decades ago, pornography wasn't uh, all that readily available. And just like the most soft core porn you could find would be something that would send people over the moon. Right. The Wired article, which if you're only going to read one of the articles, I, the Wired article is by far the most complete. Um, the further problem with correlative studies is not just that causation direction can re, um, run in, run either way, but that the unknown or uncontrolled third party or others could cause, um, could be causal. So, so, ba so <clears throat> since I read that so poorly, basically other causes could also influence this. So third, third factors and more could also be influencing this. So we don't know which came first, right? Did, was it, was it reduced gray matter or was it or was it the porn that caused it? And they have no way of knowing because the other the other fault in the study is that they didn't follow up with the patients 
to see how that would affect them over time. So they, so all they did is they, you know, they, they did this survey and they did a brain scan and that's how they came up with their conclusions. So they don't really have enough data to even make the uh, assumption that it's the porn that's causing it. Yeah. Well, they feel and like plus, they you know, for, for small studies like this, you, you can't be uh, certain of anything really. A lot of the time, uh, studies of this magnitude turn out to be nothing at all. So they don't have enough data to say that they, that, Porn causes this. They only have enough data to insinuate it. Exactly. They, yeah. they only have enough and data to insinuate it. it's not even certain that there's even an effect there that they're measuring. Or that it, there's right. even a correlation. What if the gray matter thing is caused by a different, like they're saying, like a third factor? Right, exactly. So they, yeah. they, they have no way of excluding that. Now, they did they, they did do a pretty good job of, of making sure that it wasn't other factors of internet viewing that was causing it. So they tried to eliminate uh, other factors, but they still don't know if maybe these people are watching more other other violent images or stuff like that that could or, also be causing it. we could be looking at just plain and simple boredom here. Well, I, if you're watching four to 18 hours of porn a week, chances are you're doing that because you're not getting other stimulation. That's a good sure, point. Sure, sure. So the the part of the brain that is that is based on rewards and stimulation isn't getting those rewards and those stimulation except from this particular location. Right. So all that said, the the news hype with this and all of these all of these headlines that they make it sound like you know porn is this awful thing and doing all these awful things you know were were kind of running rampant and they were kind of out of control and even though the researchers were pretty clear about what they what you know what they had um the nih article goes through it um, a little bit more clinically than the um than the wired article does but basically the conclusion from from the nih nih one is that they they showed a slight to medium you know um what uh measurable effect and that it was but and that it was a good jumping point for more research, but that nothing could be concluded based on what they had currently. Uh, it does make me thankful that I don't watch any porn. Uh-huh. I well, do watch erotica. Oh, jeez. <laughs> does it make you feel better to call it something different? Actually, the other thing I was thinking is that the the men who are watching 4 to 18 hours of porn a week probably are purchasing it, which is also less stimulating than you know being cheap and hunting for it for free. Tell me why you think they're purchasing it. I just, I, that's my impression. That's my thought is that if they're, if they're taking this in on such a regular basis, they're probably, they're probably used to buying it. So you, you think that if people are, it's a, it's a guess, are, are looking at the free stuff that they're watching less porn? I think that if they're looking at the free stuff, they're having to be more clever about how they find it. Eh, I don't, I don't, I don't think so at find. all. Yeah. But since Maybe you don't, fetish, give me two minutes, and I'll find you something for free. <laughs> okay, well, let's use Brian's fetish. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Yeah. See if you can find us some, some erotic Kermit imagery. <laughs> I, th- that would not be hard at all. That's pretty low hanging fruit. Poor Kermit. <clears throat> we shouldn't speak of that anymore. <laughs> yeah, done. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I thought something about that a while back. Hold on. Oh, man. Let's see if I can find it. <sighs> Once again, good radio. Good radio. <laughs> hey, but I, I, I will dare you. Time. If I find this, I will dare you to share it uh, with the audience. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, 
I, I, we kind of like gotta let you guys finish before we move on. <laughs> okay, there's a, a meme here. I don't always. Oh man! I don't always eat bacon, but when I do, I make her shower first. Uh, <laughs> how long does it take you guys to bring yourselves to come on? We've got a podcast to do. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, so we can we can just tell people to Google image search with the uh, with the safe search off Kermit porn and they'll be able to find. Yeah, yeah, it'll be no problem. You'll be able to find plenty of it. <laughs> Not a challenge. And it's all free. You know, when I see those two twins on that double mint commercial. <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to tell you this. Uh, I ain't thinking about gum. Double your pleasure, double that fun. Yeah, honey, where's the Wrigley's? <laughs> I feel like chewing on something. <clears throat> Making men head of household is true women's liberty because it makes life easier. Yep. Did you hear that, Terry? I heard it and I read it, unfortunately. You, you read that? <laughs> I did. So this woman, she has a name. I don't know that it, it's submitted by Brian Tashman. Women doesn't... have names? <laughs> like, She's well, a woman. Yeah. Her name doesn't matter. Yes, <laughs> they're, they're, permitted, they're permitted names. Patrice. Patrice, Patrice. Lewis. Okay, Patrice Lewis. Okay. So, uh, so Lewis writes today that giving her husband the final say is freeing because it makes life easier for both Myself and my husband. Well, you know what? I don't have a particular problem with that, uh, as long as it's her personal decision to give her husband the final word on things. Yeah, if it's her, if it's her personal decision, then you know she's a feminist and she's making a decision for herself. Really? Here's yes. how it goes. My husband is the head of our household. As it should be. <laughs> See, and, but that's the problem right my, there. <laughs> my wife doesn't listen to the podcast, so I can get away with all sorts of crap here. <laughs> Mine's sitting on the bed. I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> well, I'm the head of my household. <laughs> to, to your point, dumbass, that's fine if that's her that's her opinion. But she's she's implying that this is how it should be. Yeah, right. that's, that's the part of it where uh, where I don't agree with that. Right, she's saying that this is how this is you know basically all women should submit. Um, but you know, well, I was uh, I was I was listening to this really interesting series series of lectures about how men and women use language differently. The professor had a very interesting uh, point in that she said talking about a very similar issue to this, and she was saying that there there are certain ways people uh, see the world, and some people see it as well. There has to be somebody who makes the decisions. So there there has to be a, a leader and, and and a person who gets in line. Otherwise, it can't work out, and that and that's their view of things. And they feel that if when women are saying they should be able to help say what goes on, people take that to mean. That uh, women are saying, "Oh, we should be the ones in charge," instead of instead of being equal balance. And so, well, yeah. So feminists call this oppression. Homemakers call it freeing. She's strawmanning feminists. Her opening yes. premise is strawmanning feminists. She just doesn't understand feminism. Uh, it's sacrilege to the feminist cause. Feminists presumably must always have the last word. See what evidence is there for that? So wait a second. No. So men can't be feminists in this definition either. 
Bottom yeah, line is, so. bottom line is that she's using feminists as a bad word, and she wants everybody to know that she's building up what she thinks of as feminists and tearing it down, which is very easy if you pick, you know, what you think it is, and it's not based in reality. Yeah, straw um, man argument. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, straw man arguments can usually be torn apart by flying monkeys. So feminists presumably must always have the last word, which I interpret as meaning feminists try to make their husbands submissive. And servient, subservient. Why not? How about this? Can I just reframe it for a second? Go ahead. <laughs> this, and whole, this whole thing is complete bullshit, <laughs> as we know, <laughs> as we knew going in. So, what she, what in in my interpretation, what actual feminism is, at, like you're saying, equality. So maybe a husband and wife have a discussion about an issue, each raises different points, and they come to a mutual agreement. I don't think that is subservience. I I see that as equality. No, that's a partnership, is what you're implying. Yeah. For some reason, I'm picturing this author in black and white with pearls on her neck. <laughs> clutching them. No, not clutching them. Just, you know, getting a roast in the oven. Well, it, it's it's really interesting because, uh, once again, back to that uh, series of lectures that uh, I was talking about, and this will go into uh, a little bit of the details of that episode we want to do later about how, about real men. <laughs> but they make the point that in a, a lot of cases, uh, impression in, when you're um, – uh, growing up male, this uh, kind of culture, cultural thing that males feel like they, they get taught basically through experience that if you're not the one making the decisions and getting other people to do what you say, then you are the one who will be get, getting pushed around and having to do what everybody else says. Right. So you either, and, you, you're either doing the pushing or you're getting pushed. Right. And so there are a lot of guys who will take that to heart and they will think, they should be the ones who are making decisions, and if they're if they're not the ones in control, then they're subservient. They're of lower status, and they're they're bottoms. They're not tops, right? Does it get back exactly. to why they yeah why they dislike gay marriage too and sodomy? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I think there's yeah. a I think that there's an analogy. Right. A lot of men will be very they will see it as an attack on their masculinity if a woman wants to participate in the decision making process. So here, uh, this is in the next article. Men should shy away from women to avoid feminist feminists. All right, I will look up Herodens. Herodens, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Herodens. I get caught up in these. I try so hard. Believe me, I try. I'm just I, I, reading out loud is is skill I do not possess. Oh, that's okay. Uh, feminists have made men fearful to be men, and so this is this is that real men stuff, which I think that we're going to get to later. It denies them the ability to fulfill their biological promise programming as protector and provider because to do this is sexist uh, women can and do ruin men at the drop of a hat you hear that terry wow. they you you women are ruining men as this a, is genuine misogyny it is genuine can, can i point <laughs> okay. out that i'm a heridan heridan yeah. a scolding vicious woman hag or shrew okay okay I was going to say, I, I am a stay-at-home mom, and I'm a feminist, and I have a relationship of equality, and it just, like, everything about my reality just blows their bullshit apart. Like, and I, I am not the only woman who's a stay-at-home mom or who has, you know, uh, you know, an equal relationship with a man that um, that is out there. So it's just this very narrow worldview that they have, and again, it's straw-manning feminism. They don't understand it. Women can ruin a man at the drop of a hat, trash their reputation, deprive them of their employment, rip rip away their children. I'm Contrary sorry. to the feminist mantra. Yes. So basically, and women are, are women can ruin a man at the drop of a hat. 
So yeah, you beat her up a little. She goes to court. <laughs> she gets the kids. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This is this is awful. But so so they're they're really. I mean, we we have to reclaim the word feminist because quite frankly, I consider myself a feminist, and I'm a man. Damn it, a real man. I, I've never seen proof of that, and I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> but the interesting thing about this argument, too, is that um, this author's saying, well, I can understand why men want to avoid women after all of this. And doesn't that – it's counterintuitive because aren't they anti-gay, too? Like, well, exactly. I was just going to say, yes. Yeah, feminists have taken <laughs> so, over every court system <laughs> and university and, and government. Men are, are avoiding women en masse right now. I, I've, I've seen to see men and women hooking up all over the place. <laughs> Based on the fact that uh, I wore a tank top out in public today, no, I would say no. That, uh... Well, my wife was reminding me of the <laughs> uh, the what is it the Yale mom that was basically telling her her daughter to to, to find to to find a man while, while she was still in college before before they got out of college and, and found a dumber woman to marry. <laughs> wow. Yeah, oh, the Yale that. mom had sons. I guess the Yale mom had sons. But yes, that was her advice to women, right? Yeah. yeah, that was her advice to women. I think we covered that story, didn't we? It sounds familiar. We probably did. Yeah. So, so this idea that feminists are basically the feminists are women that are out to repress men. That that's their goal. It's not about equality for them. It's to repress men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think in some cases, the the pendulum swings way too far in the opposite direction, and it does become a message of repressing men. But I don't think that's the core of what feminine, feminism I, intends to be. I, I love this. I love the way that she sums this up, though. In short, women hold the trump card in the in our feminist society, and men know it. And if and if I were a man, I would shy away from women too. What a horrible, twisted, mixed up world! I would like to point out that there are that when we talk historically about um, matriarchal societies, that in those societies. Men actually fare better as far as sexual mates and that there is less competition and, and so there is um, a little bit more freedom in, in sexual activities. And I would also like to point out our, our cousins, the bonobos. Okay. <laughs> I, I think that uh, well, we I should also that... consider the chimpanzees, which are aren't quite as uh, no, 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 no. For my, I am cherry picking data and I am going with bonobos. Okay. <laughs> so I got a great idea. The uh, Patrice Lewis, the author of those two articles, and the lady who with uh, all all vaginal sex is is rape from last let's week. Lock, yeah, let's lock them in a room together and have them talk it out. <laughs> <laughs> they can they can they can talk it out together. They can cry on each other's shoulders. And... <laughs> yeah, last week I was trying to point out uh, like really true extremes to this, and, and from my point of view, it seems like uh, most of the discussions happening, like the really big arguments in in feminism, are happening, you know, much farther away from the extremes. Uh, although one side still sees the other as very extreme, and I look at a lot of these arguments people are having, and I think, you know, both sides have very very valid concerns that they're raising. And sometimes they're not brought up very artfully, and sometimes people say unfortunate things. But um, I, I think it would be good if, if both sides could recognize the valid concerns that the other side has. So what is the concern against equality, though? What's the valid concern? I'm, well, I'm not talking about that kind of extreme case. I'm talking about the the, the big arguments that they're having. Like, if they have a lot of uh, – there's a lot in, of discussion in the skeptical community on, on sides about uh, – 
feminist issues that don't have anything they're, they're not arguing against equality they're just arguing about their you know their specific concerns about uh, equality in feminism i think a lot of times unfortunately people tend to espouse an extreme view because it gets them some ink well that's probably sure. true in this case to an extent they get they get some press they get their they get a viewpoint out there they get their 15 minutes of fame and on one hand they get noticed but on the other hand they may not be noticed for saying anything reasonable but here's the thing is that what she's arguing against there is some woman out there who calls herself a feminist that that probably is you know trumpeting this idea right there's mm -hmm. somebody there there's somebody out there that she is directly talking to right that that is all about you know men, men should be um, submissive no oh, i'm sure there are those so, outliers yeah so the, that that extreme absolutely does exist but it's not the majority this right. doesn't this isn't speaking to the majority of feminists and it isn't speaking to a version of feminism that i can subscribe to as as a man right it, it, it's certainly i mean the way that she talks about feminists you, the, you a man would never be a feminist unless i guess unless he was a completely um you know submissive to his to his wife, then maybe he would be a feminist in, in, in that regard. So is Patrice Lewis an outlier or does she represent uh, the majority of so, of some other group? She certainly represents feminist? a voice. I don't know if it's a majority or a minority, quite frankly. I, I guess I'm not sure. I'm not either. She managed to get herself to make. Yep. She absolutely did. Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's, well, that, well, that's what we know about her. Hey, but we know that it's an argument that we'd like to argue against. It's a position that, that really, that really sets up a straw man that we can, that we can, you know, argue against and that we can break down and analyze. You know, I, I suppose I can see that it would be much simpler to, to have one person in charge making the decision because, um, I know my wife and I, we considered ourselves equal partners and we would, uh, discuss, uh, issues all the time and one of us would come out on top and the decision would be made uh, in, in any kind of thing but it, it's much easier and it takes much less time if 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 we were to both agree that uh, one of us would be the one who makes the decisions then it would take a lot less time and a yeah, lot less haggling right. and discussing but it's only easier for the decision maker right well no no that's not what she's saying she's saying it's easier for her to so she's giving up that to make life easier on her and here's the thing is that but these relations these kinds of relationships aren't necessarily – is easy really the goal, I guess, is where She's putting where an awful go. lot of trust in some it, it does depend on your preference if you want to yeah. make things easier or if you want to have more of a say. Right. Um, She's putting well, a lot of trust – Me and my wife, one of the things we don't do, especially in front of the kids, you know, we don't contradict each other. And – you know, in private, we might have a discussion, but, you know, if one of us tells the kids to do something, the other backs them up automatically. It's not who makes, you know, we don't pick which one makes the rules. It's like, okay, you made that rule. I'm going to back you up because, to, you know, otherwise it's not a relationship. Right, but that, that's... Well, you've got to yeah, stay united against the kids, though, to keep them from murdering you in your sleep. Well, you don't, yeah, you know, with kids, you, you can't show an ounce of weakness. If they think that they can divide you for a second, man, you're done for. Right. <laughs> I can only think of one time where me and my wife really had a straight-out argument over, you know, something like that. Otherwise, we've always just backed each other up. My my problem with the whole, they, he, he makes the decisions is that she's putting a lot of trust in somebody to make those decisions and he may not be a trustable person. Well, but that's she married him. She, that's for her that's her decision to make in that I know, situation. I understand that, but she's giving up she's basically given up her 
she's given up her right to argue about it. Well, if but she makes a bad decision, she's basically forfeited her right to no, say, hey, she, she, you screwed up. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I can see where you would see it that way, but even I she talked about how they, how they might have a disagreement, right? But in the end, somebody has to make a decision. It's going to be him unless she can really show that she's right because she does talk about that in the article that, that they do have disagreements, but – Ultimately, what she's saying is that in the end, if she can't show that her position is superior, she has to just let him make the decision. Well, she's already shown, shown that her judgment is suspect, though. She put out both these articles. I, you so, know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna propose though that it probably doesn't actually work that way in reality. That she's probably not quite willing to give up that much power. You think you think that she's actually trolling a bit? I do think I do think that because I suspect that you know reading the article that that her and her husband are having a lot more discussions and, and coming to a lot more decisions. And she's probably if some if, so it's probably there's certain decisions where it's like, well, my position isn't that much greater than yours, so just go ahead and do it, right? But I, I imagine that when she thinks that she's right that that she you know that that she takes that to the mat based on what I've read in the article so she's trolling and straw manning I think so I mean did you well, read the articles yes I do I do know that if I ever if I've ever had an argument with my wife I, I, like I sometimes I sometimes just come around to her point of view just because I'm like tired of continuing the argument around like well she feels strongly about about this so I'll go with this does that still count as me making the decision if I'm just like okay we'll do things oh. your way no it, if you it made doesn't the decision but to stop arguing then yeah you made the decision no but here's the thing is that there is there are sometimes when I when you argue about something and you have a discussion that if it isn't that important to you and it's more important to the other person that they should ultimately make that decision and that's okay. But I think that her argument about um, – one thing I wanted to say about her argument about splitting things into more traditional gender roles is that we've seen this to be disabling to people so that you know, um, men who don't know how to cook for themselves find themselves widowers or bachelors, then they, can't, they just can't function. And women who don't know how to write a check or handle their bank accounts find themselves unable to function if they're without their husband to do these things. Right. So, so there's those problems. Yeah. 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 It's disabling, I think, in my opinion. Well, I think it, we should be. completely reverse gender roles. My wife should go and find a full-time job that pays for all the bills, and I'll be a stay-at-home dad. I have I know no a lot of people. I know a lot of people who make that work. That's totally legit if that's what you guys well, want to do. Well, actually, if I, anybody I wants to be my sugar mama, just contact me. <laughs> <laughs> Dumbassguy.info. <laughs> <laughs> we are now Dumbass's dating service. Uh, <laughs> nice. Right. Let's, let's get Dumbass a date. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to find the words to say. I'll go ahead and say them anyway. Forget your balls and grow a pair of tits. It's hard, it's hard, it's hard out here for a bitch. It's From the Washington Post, Wasatch High School in Heber City, Utah, a predominantly Mormon community edited the yearbook photos of some of the girls. They photoshopped sleeves onto sleeveless blouses, raised necklines, and erased tattoos. The school dress code requires clothing that conforms to community standards, which is very, very, very modest for the vagina-having students. <laughs> Wait, does it say vagina-having? This is not a quote. I'm, this is my summary of the article. <laughs> I do have a quote later on, though. Okay. The Mormon culture teaches women that their bodies are shameful. And I dropped a link into the show notes to a site called Feminist Mormon Housewives that does a deep dive into modesty in that culture. So from the article, there's a great, a great quote from Holly Mullen. She's the executive director of the Rape Recovery Center who says, and I think this is the money shot for all of these modesty discussions, quote, the school's behavior reinforces the general theme in society that women must be controlled and directed so as not to inflame male sexual appetites. It is the type of thinking that objectifies women and ultimately leads to sexual assault. 
end quote. But what about the young men who go to whatever the high, what, what was it, uh, Wasatch High School in Heber City? Um, surely the schools exerts a similarly stern expectation of modest dress and decorum on the men, right? Right? Am I right, everybody? So from Think Progress, yearbook that photoshopped girls' clothing to be more modest, allowed boys to appear shirtless, and posted their pictures under a title referring to these dudes as studs. Well, but this is this is okay because it's, it, we're protecting men from their hormones, and <sighs> yeah, women well, don't and, have any. Because men aren't attracted to shirtless men. Honestly, since we're talking <laughs> about Mormons, this is the last time they will ever appear without a white short sleeve shirt and a bicycle. <laughs> For the next two years after they yep. graduate. And then they will go back to... No, right, but I here's the thing: is that well, wait. I think they go out and they do the bicycle thing with the white shirts, and then they, they go back to Utah and they're killed. Uh, they're married and they're, having children at that right, point. Same thing. <laughs> so you were the, the expectation is that return missionaries get married. <laughs> By the way, um, the uh, the photoshopping on this yearbook photo, honestly, <laughs> they did a crap job. Yeah. Wait, My ten-year-old uh, could do a better photoshop. <laughs> they, wait, when they come back, they're expected to get married. Are there arranged marriages? Um, no, but there are, well, not necessarily, but there are, um, they have what are called singles wards, where, which are churches where the single young people go to meet each other and mingle. Wow. Yep. Yes, if you do not have a high school sweetheart, one will be provided to you at no cost. Absolutely. I yeah. doubt it's no cost. That's got to be expensive. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, I, but high here's school, the thing: high is school sweethearts are free. The, the thing that was best. interesting about this article is that they weren't consistent. It was some girls and not oh, others. Yeah. So, so they singled out some girls and then others. How did they? How, and so, why is that? It was completely arbitrary. When I was growing up, is it? You, I, it the, this particular incident was arbitrary. When I was growing up, we were taught that um, to dress modestly meant to wear clothing over where your temple garments would would go. So, like if you have a t-shirt type of temple garment, which is the magical underwear, you would, uh, the shirt that goes over that would have to cover at least the length of that t-shirt sleeve. Well, let me, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe, maybe I'm, uh, I'm dabbling here in Mike Bowler territory, but, um, maybe they just chose women that they thought they wanted to be more wholesome. So those are the ones that were singled out to try and, to try and spare certain girls. Yeah, I agree. It's probably as personal. It's probably slut shaming. Yeah. Well, it could be. Uh, yeah, but so that's what. So that's what I would really worry about. So why? I mean, some girls and not others. So so what was the criteria? I mean, they say arbitrary, but I ju- I just wonder if it was if it was really there was certain girls for certain reasons. Maybe it was non Mormon girls. Uh, or maybe it was specifically Mormon girls. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's a see, good question. maybe yeah. there's a conspiracy here. It's fascinating to think about what could be behind that. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> we'll leave that to Mike Bowler. We won't go any further. Anything else, guys? I think we're good. All right. Say goodnight, everybody. Goodnight, everybody. Well, if you've made it this far, that's an hour of your time. You're never getting back. But the amateur skeptics appreciate you giving that hour to us. If you'd like to tell us how you felt about spending that hour with us, let us know at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. You could always roast us in a voicemail at 720-295-7785. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons share-alike, no-derivatives, 3.5 license. So, hand it to an unsuspecting friend, but please, just don't change the content. Intro music by Peter Cannell. Find more of Peter's music at soundcloud.com forward slash p-k-a-n-o-l. Exit music by OFM. Find more of their music at myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. Artwork for the Amateur Skeptics by Sean Smith Ford. 
Copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture.